Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Harley Quinn Smith is coming to National City. Supergirl is nominated for People's Choice Awards. And we discuss survivors. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Andy Babact of The Flash Podcast to discuss the season two episode of the show titled Survivors. Welcome back to Supergirl Radio, Andy. I know you're really excited to talk about this because this had a lot of Martians in it. Lots of them. <laughs> Lots of them. And I'm all about it. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, but first, let's get to... The news. Kevin Smith is directing an episode of Supergirl Season 2 and seems to be making it a family affair. His daughter, Harley Quinn Smith, posted National City Here I Come to her Instagram account. Uh, Andy, what do you think about this news? I, I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I've seen, I haven't, I've been meaning to see yoga hosers, but I haven't had time to do it yet. But you know, she seems like a very sweet girl, and I, you know, I think, you know, I mean, look, that's the Smith family just seems to be one of the most magical families on the face of the planet. So I, I'm excited for her to see what she will play. I don't think she's just doing a cameo because, you know, I think if it was a cameo, I don't think she would get like the whole script. So, um. I'm looking forward to see who she's going to be playing and uh, what's, hopefully she has some cool interaction with Melissa and uh, that are ladies. So I'm looking forward to it. And Kevin Smith also had uh, Jay. What was his name? Uh, Jason, Jason Muse on The Flash, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he, he likes to bring some of his people into his episodes. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, the People's Choice Awards will be airing on January 18th, 2017, and Supergirl is among the nominees. You can vote for Supergirl as your favorite network sci-fi slash fantasy TV show, and uh, Melissa Benoist as your favorite sci-fi fantasy TV actress uh, by visiting vote.peopleschoice.com to cast your votes. All right, well, let's get into our discussion of the Season 2 episode of Supergirl titled Survivors. Here's the official description. Quote, When Kara and Alex investigate the murder of an unregistered alien, the trail leads to an alien fight club run by Roulette, guest star Deachin Lockman, the ringmaster who commands aliens to fight in mortal combat for the entertainment of rich humans. While trying to stop the fighting, Supergirl and Martian Manhunter find themselves up against a surprising opponent. Meanwhile, Hank is thrilled to have found another Martian and tries to get to know him again better. Supergirl takes Monel under her wing and begins to train him, unquote. So uh, this episode was actually really great. had a lot of good emotional beats, a lot of action sequences. Um, so let's start talking about those action sequences with the Alien Fight Club run by Roulette. Um, I guess we'll start with our, our guest, uh, Andy. What did you think about all the, the Alien Fight Club stuff going on in the episode? 
it reminded me a lot about um, the Justice League Unlimited animated episode that Roulette was in when she was actually hosting a, a super meta human fight club underground where she, I believe she had brainwashed Hawkgirl and Vixen and Wonder Woman and hunt, you know, to fight each other. Then Huntress and Black Canary had to save them. And it was, I mean, that's one of my favorite episodes of all time. So it kind of gave me some of those JLEU vibes and so on. So that was a lot of fun. And I think DJ Lockman was a lot of fun as as a roulette. I mean, I loved the roulette on Smallville and as well as in the animated show. But and Lockman, she was, you know, she was also phenomenal uh, in this because she she's very good at she's she's one of those like character actors where you don't think of the actor in when you see the role you you literally think of the character like she became one with roulette and she's so like she's just so damn slick and you know and like she she even though she doesn't have any superpowers she can control she she could still control supergirl she could still like get on her nerves and all that so that was that was a lot of lot of fun, you know. And I, again, it goes to show that this show really knows how to write both female heroes and female villains really, really well. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I think she's a good addition to uh, the female villains of the show. Um, Carly, what did you think about Roulette and the Underground Alien Fight Club? Yeah, she was like super slinky. Um, although I w- although I made a note to myself at one point, I was like, does she have any other clothes besides that red dress? Because it seemed like any time we saw her, she was just wearing the same thing. Um, I had that, not that I minded. question. <laughs> I was, I was like, like, because we saw her, like, it, it was days apart. And I was just like, is that just her, like, fight promoter outfit? Does she have that dress in, like, in red? Like, just multiple copies? Like, if you open her closet, is it just all that dress? <laughs> she found a look and she's committing to it. Yeah, because she's wearing it in like broad daylight yeah, too. Yeah. At one point, I was like, "This is a night outfit. You can have a day. <laughs> this is not transfer. This doesn't go from day to night." But I also thought it was really hilarious that she had this whole intro for Kara, even though she didn't know Kara was going to be there. Like she was like, "Look, it's the girl of steel, the maid of might." And I was like, "Did you practice this before?" Like you were like, "What am I going to say if Supergirl shows up? Let's 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 pick some good." Uh, Let's pick some good names and we can introduce her. And then because she had that like she whipped that out like so fast. Um, I also thought it was interesting that she didn't she basically got released um, at the end and kind of walked away into the night like until next time, Um, which I thought was really interesting. And also, um, it seems like the D.E.O. is basically already using the alien registry from the president's amnesty act to like track people down, which I thought was interesting. Like, like, wow. Like from the time that the president signed that to the time that they're actually using the system to find aliens now, it's very interesting. Although it makes you wonder like how many of them are registered versus not. That was one of the points that the villain in last week's episode brought up. Like, you think that this alien registry, uh, this alien amnesty thing is so great, but it's just really a way for them to register us all. And then, like, the ex- that alien's exact fear happened in this episode where they're just like, oh, they're, well, they're all registered now. Just bring up the list. I thought it was really interesting in terms of the alien human thing that Roulette makes a really good case. Well, not a good case, but she makes a case as to the fact that she is helping the aliens. She's doing things that are going to benefit them. That She's uh, giving them a way to find glory and get paid and, and uh, have a sense of self. And, and the DEO is 
throwing them in prison and beating them up. So I thought that was a really uh, interesting case that Roulette threw out there because I was like, well, she makes a couple of good points. Um, Morgan, what did you think about Roulette? I thought she was great this episode. I, I like the actress a lot. I've seen her in a couple of different things at this point. She's always really good. Um, yeah, there's some good points about the fact that she always seemed to be wearing that same dress. And she was she seemed like she was very well prepared for every like interaction with Supergirl. Like she had spent the night before just thinking up like puns. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I really liked her. I thought she was uh, she was really like slick and, and very um, intimidating. And I, I I liked that she didn't seem to care, like, what Supergirl had planned. She was just like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, I know I'm going to win. And uh, obviously, spoiler alert, but in the end, she kind of did win because she didn't go to jail. So I thought that was really interesting as well. And I was wondering if, you know, if maybe Lena Luthor had something to mm-hmm. do with that. that. I had that similar thought. I was like, is Lena Luthor the, the friend on high who made the call? Um, although I have a theory, I have a theory. Although Lena says that she and she did not uh, much care for roulette, so I, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Andy, what's your theory? What if the red dress is actually like part of a Luther lineup, and that's and that's why she needs roulette because she needs someone to like advertise them and whatnot. That's why she has so many of them. That's why maybe she saved her ass from going to jail. So <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just saying. I mean, you know. There, mu- I mean, there must be something deeper than than just her having a fetish for red dresses. Could be. It could be. It could be a line of Luther clothing that we don't know about. <laughs> but the character wears a dress like that, though, in the comics, right? Like that's kind of her yeah. look. Yeah, yeah it's kind so, of her her costume, I guess. I just, I just thought it was a little odd that she'd be wearing it in the like bright daylight. Um, like I would have been fine if she had worn a different outfit, but still had it red. It just seemed really out of place for her to yeah. still be in the same dress, like in the scene where they, in the scene where McGann, um, you know, McGann and, and John Jones are talking, and he gets pulled into the van or whatever. Yeah, but like this is a little even, weird for her to like small, just be standing there in the dress. <laughs> even a small version, actually, she had to, she got actually to swap around between like three different outfits. I'm like girl what's up yeah she's in a like a an alley outside of a bar in broad daylight and she's wearing that dress on um and speaking of people who clean themselves up for this uh underground alien uh fight club uh alex and maggie go undercover to investigate what's going on uh annie what did you think about their part of the episode I was just busy planning their double wedding with West Allen because, look, this is one of the best new relationships on TV in like in a long time to the point where I'm like, now they got to merge the two universes because I need to see a West Allen and Sanders double date because, my God, I love Maggie so much. And so, like, look, they could be reading the phone book or looking at a brick wall and I will still find myself, oh, they're so amazing together. I love them. And no, I love that they that they progress their new dynamic and they're, they're you know, they're they're not they're holding back a little bit, but at the same time they're, they're going forward, which is good. And um, and I and I, I just they just have such a good relationship together. You know, I mean, I know we're still building up to the eventual romance, you know, even though. Maggie's girlfriend is sort of, you know, I, I don't know if 
if there's an like equivalent to cock blocking, but you know, she's getting in the way right now of that epic ship. So, um, so yeah, no, I love seeing them teaming up together. I, I don't know, for some reason, every time whenever a character, you know, go, you know, goes into like a, you know, underground facility or whatever, and so they dress up in masks and stuff like that. I always think of Gossip Girl, Pretty Little Liars, or, or so on. I'm like, what, like they're gonna scheme, they're gonna do something. So like, I, I I got thrown off a little bit by that, but but yeah, I love I I love everything that we got of them in this episode. Um, and also just to make it very very clear, I really really ship Sandbers. Just to, just so everyone knows. I was I was having flashbacks to Eyes Wide Shut, which is a movie I did not care for. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I think I made a comment on Twitter last night when I was watching it, like a couple hours behind everybody else. And I was like, if you're Alex, are you like, we're going to an Eyes Wide Shut party on like our second date? Like, this is a little forward. Yeah. It was... <laughs> She's like, here, just put on, put on this mask and don't ask any questions. I'd be like, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> Yeah, not going with you, Carly. What did you think about the the Maggie and Alex portion of the episode? First of all, I love it that they call each other by their last names, like the Sawyer Danvers thing. And it was funny because I actually tweeted something about it, and one of my friends was like, "Yeah, you're because you're an X Files junkie," which is so true. Because like that's like a Mulder and Scully thing. Like they all they always called each other by their last names. So I'm sure that it's that stems from. Like, oh, they are in love because they have special names for each other that, like, no one else uses. Um, except everyone, thought, ev- all except everyone, except everyone, except everyone in law enforcement. But, like, but it's, um, I don't know, It's but it also seems like it was kind of their thing. Like, yeah, you know, that I'm sure somebody else, because everybody else would say either, like, Agent Danvers or Detective Sawyer or whatever. Um, I thought it was hilarious, the scene where they're going back and forth. Uh, finishing each other's sandwiches and uh, and Kara's face the whole time. She's like, oh well, <laughs> it seems like you guys have this under control. And then it, I love that that's the scene. And then it cuts to the title, uh, the title credits. Yeah. And I'm like, that was the cold open. <laughs> like it ended <laughs> on Kara being like, well, I guess I'm useless here. Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually watched the episode three times and the the third time was the first time I noticed that and I died laughing because I was like (laughs) what an odd scene to have before your you know your main title that's so funny too and I made a because somebody mentioned that on on Twitter like her all of cars like confused faces and I think I made a comment that it was like very um if anybody watches the show Winona Earp like she's very also oblivious to her sister like getting in a relationship with this female cop and um (laughs) and it was just like that it was just like how Winona would always be in the background while they were like flirting like I feel like something weird is going on here, but I don't know what's happening. (laughs) It was the same thing with Cara. She was just like, I feel like I missed something. You know what they need to do, by the way, with Melissa's, like, all her face and stuff? They need to make, like, like an emoji board out of her reactions and so on that you can use on your phone because, my God, that woman is good with faces. She's so funny. I need, like, a super cut of just all her, all the faces she pulls over the course of the show because she's so expressive and it's really funny. Um, Especially when I'm, like, watching on my computer and I pause the recording and I get a really funny screen cap out of it without even trying because it's just her face like her mouth twisting or whatever um and obviously Alex was hoping that Maggie's date had not gone uh well but I guess apparently she like got a girlfriend out of it (laughs) because 
Alex was like, let's go out for drinks. And then the other woman just showed up like out of nowhere. It's like, how did she know to meet her at the club location? I don't know. It was funny because I, it just to me, the whole scene felt like one person went off camera and there was somebody else like off camera waiting to come on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> somehow everybody's all in the same place at the same time. Um, but I like that they're, that they kind of have their own thing. Although I, I don't really get why Alex likes to keep going out on her own with Maggie. I'm like, is she trying to impress her? Is she trying to just be like, Oh, I don't need, I mean, she does call Cara for backup occasionally, but like they went and tried that, you know, once, once when found the alien that was registered in the system, they went to try and track him down. Um, and he, you know, gets kidnapped obviously by the, the people from the fight club but it's like you didn't call for backup alex come on this is like the second week in a row you haven't done that so i mean she's she's okay with the with the backup sometimes but not all the time i'm just like why wouldn't you just be like hey we're gonna go check we're gonna go to this place and check it out she doesn't even tell anybody where she's gonna be which i think is odd like when's like oh don't you need help and she goes eh, i got it I'm like well no because and Maggie got tased, and you got a net thrown over you. Yeah, it doesn't seem all that smart, considering they're two humans going up against aliens in these scenarios. So, yeah, I was like, mm, that's not really smart choice there. Um, Morgan, what did you think about uh, Maggie and Alex in this episode? Yeah, I loved them. I, I love their whole dynamic, and I thought that was interesting. I noticed that throughout the episode that she kept on, like, jumping into these situations without calling for any backup, and I read it very much like she was looking for any excuse to to call Maggie. And like when these things popped up, she would be like, hey, Sawyer, what do you think about investigating this? She's like, you know, kind of justifying it to herself, like totally for the police work. That's all. That's the only reason I don't think about her all the time. Like it was a, it was pretty, in- I liked, I liked that sort of like wrinkle to it. Like they're not, they're really building it up in a way that's going to be organic. I feel like that relationship um, instead of just sort of shoving two people together and being like, see, they're together, um, which I prefer. I like the slow build. And uh, you could definitely tell her face at the end when uh, when Maggie's girlfriend just comes up and she's like, oh, no, I'm fine with this. Everything's fine. It's like that little uh, that little gift that you see on the Internet where everything's in flames around the dog drinking tea. <laughs> that was, this is that fine. was her face at that moment. <laughs> or that gif fine. from Friends when uh, Roz goes like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I know. I promise. I'm totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was she was totally totally fine, and you could tell by her totally totally fine face. Um, but it was yeah, I liked I liked the, all of their interactions um, in this episode. I thought they were really good, and they made sense within the episode and the the Fight Club. Although again, I you know it doesn't matter how foxy the person is if they hand you a mask and tell you to go into a, a, a deserted building. Do not do it. I don't care if they're a police <laughs> officer. Just don't put on that mask and go into the building. That was I mean, not it, the best choice. It started off interesting when she gets the call, when Alex gets the call from Maggie at the beginning of the episode that just goes, you want to see a dead body? Yeah. Like, Red flag. <laughs> that's, I understand that we're both, you know, like that's in our line of work. But I was like, that's not, I hope that's not a pickup line because that's, Weird. Their flirting is so weird. <laughs> I could just imagine like Kara like being like, I don't understand what is happening here. 
<laughs> as they're like investigating crimes or like <laughs> talking about dead bodies and like looking at crime scene photos like on their dates or something. Crime and chill. Crime and chill. Exactly. Crime and chill. <laughs> crime solving and chill. <laughs> oh my god. What? Luke Cage has done that. Flash has done that. Now Super has one of their own. Like, I mean, we're not going to need Netflix at so- eventually. We're going to just be able to just coin these sexual innuendos, you know, on our own by, you know, insert word and chill. <laughs> Using superhero. Using superhero TV shows. Well, I thought it was interesting because it sort of took me back that um, when Maggie and Alex were investigating the dead alien in the trunk, Supergirl shows up and it sounded like Maggie didn't know that Supergirl and Alex were sisters. And that sort of took me back a little bit because I've, I've been so used to for a long time that everyone knows that they're sisters. Everybody at the DEO kind of knows. Everybody in Kara's circle kind of knows. And so for Maggie not to know that, I was like, oh, that's different. That's that's new. So I thought that was really interesting. And I, my favorite part of Maggie and Alex in this episode was when they took that alien on in the uh, street at night. They they were handling that alien. I was like, wow, <laughs> they are taking care of business there. Um, of course, they kind of get shut down when Roulette's people uh, nab the alien into the van. But I I was very impressed by that. So um, I thought I thought it was cool that they've you know they've established sort of the the romance part of it, but I, I thought it was nice to see that they were good investigators, they were good fighters, and uh, they got the job done. So I, I enjoyed them in this episode. And um, we got a little more of reporter Kara, is what I'm calling her in this episode. Um, she has some more run-ins with Snapper Car, and she does a little bit more investigating. Um, what does everybody think about Carr as a reporter so far? Um, Andy, uh, what did you think about her, her trying to get the story in this episode? She's such a noob. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I'm sorry, but, but, but I, I, I love seeing her journey and, you know, look, I mean, I don't know what's going on in the writers room, like why we still haven't gotten a single snap. I mean, I'm almost getting worried that we're getting a small rule where it's like no snaps, no robot hands, um, for, for the snapper <laughs> until no. the, the ten I years later. That. <laughs> ten years later, in the series finale, all you see is a CGI little figure putting on robot hands and stabbing for the first time, and it's not actually Ian Gomez doing it. Uh, it turns but, out this um, whole show was just the origin story <laughs> of, of the robot yeah. hands. And, and then Netflix will do a, a revival show called Star Star and we will podcast about it. Yes, I oh. We are, I've already purchased the domain name and Twitter for you guys. It's happening, uh, but. As hard as he as he is, I'm digging the mentoring from Snapper because as a reporter myself, and I'm sure you know, I'm, I'm sure Crowley and Morgan, you, you know, since you guys work for Outlands, so you can probably relate. These are very good tips that he's giving to her. You know, you can't just show up with this big story and be like, I, I, I'm gonna get back to you on my source, uh, or whatnot so like i like the fact that you know he would almost give her a point on the board but then you're like oh you missed that part okay nope that's we're scratching that point and so i like i said as harsh as he is i think that he is like a very good necessary character for Kara to have and but i love that she's love that she's learning as well because you know she but then (laughs) i don't know why i was so surprised in the end but like i should have seen it coming that she would eventually be like Yes, Supergirl is my source. 
because I'm like, I mean, because why not? Um, but but yeah, I, I'm digging what we're seeing a uh, reporter car, even though she is again a huge noob still. But you know, what? we gotta start somewhere. We all we were all there. Yeah, uh, Clark Kent uses Superman as a source. Uh, I'm pretty sure, pretty frequently. So uh, no, that, Lois and Clark. I think he did it all the time. Yeah, I think he did yeah. it for his first story for Perry. Yeah, so that's not uncommon. So that I guess that makes sense, even if it's slightly unethical, probably. Um, <laughs> but uh, Carly, what did you think about Car trying to get the story in this episode? Yeah, somebody was like, "That's Silver Age Superman cheating." Like. <laughs> He totally uses Clark Kent. Totally uses Superman as a source. So it's you know, it's I think they're trying to do a little bit of a callback to that. Um, but I was still like, you can't use yourself as a source, car. That's journalism one hundred and one. Come on, <laughs> such a that's such a cop out. Um, but I agree with Andy though. I think you know he's he's tough, but he's got valid critiques, and I think ultimately it makes her a better reporter. You know, it was just funny though hearing like you know he was like you you're coming to me with an idea that's half-baked you literally just were like you know oh and it's alien on alien crime and he's like okay so what about it um you know when he tells her to go back and work on it and even like when she sends him the story he's like well you're this is too long. You're not using AP styles. Like, Oh, I know those feels. Um, <laughs> but you know, and I, and I think personally, I've, I haven't had to work with an editor like that, but it's the same kind of principle where, you know, any editor worth their salt is going to help you find your best voice. And so I think for me, it was nice to see that I, I don't, I don't really think their relationship is super, contentious i don't really think he's doing anything to be like mean to her i think he's basically just saying nope you gotta you know this is what you gotta work on you gotta fix this and then you know and i think for her it's like she likes the challenge and she likes she is excited by you know the fact that he's gonna put us that she's got a story up there like she's like i she's the challenge for her is like she wants to earn the story that's up on the whiteboard. She's like, yes, I finally have one to my name now. So it's like makes, it makes it more, all the more satisfying for her when she finally gets something in. So I like snapper car, but not enough snapping. Nope. <laughs> I thought he might do it when at one point he like licked his finger and rubbed off her story when she didn't have it finished. But I was like, Oh, nope, no snap. He's just, he's just teasing us now. That's a te- teasing of the snapping. It's it's not cool. Um, Morgan, even though we didn't get any snapping in this episode, what did you think about um, Kara getting the story and, and her interactions with Snapper? I feel like my old media ethics classes in college would have had something to say about her quoting herself, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> um, no, I liked, uh, I, I really liked the way that they have sort of progressed um that relationship and and uh, and her sort of journey into journalism, because I feel like oh I think all of us on this podcast are pretty partial to Snapper, uh, but I feel like this is one of those episodes where I I honestly understood why he must like look at her and just be like my god because like she comes in with this idea that's basically nothing and then he has to pitch her like 
five different angles on how it could be something. And then she's like, oh, okay, and, like, runs out. And he must be like, you know, I'm at the point in my career where I shouldn't have to be, like, mentoring people who don't understand how, like, just the basic tenets of journalism. Um, But I think that he's doing a good job anyway of showing her how to develop ideas and how to find sources and how to find angles on stories that aren't just you know, this happened and then this happened, but like putting it into a broader context. And despite the fact that she is literally just quoting herself, uh, I do think that she's learning, which is nice. I like getting to see Kara's progression as a journalist, but uh, I'm getting a little frustrated at the the format of how they're doing it in the episodes. Like at the beginning of the episode, it's Kara brings a story. She doesn't know what she's doing. And so Snapper has to fuss at her. And then by the end of the episode, she brings him the story. and Everything's okay. You know, she's learned her lesson. I'm like, if this is the way it's going to be in every episode, I'm going to get really frustrated with it um, because it's starting to repeat itself. Um, But uh, I I do like that she's learning. But the thing that uh, made me laugh about their interaction was that Snapper gives her an assignment. So she's, she's got an assignment that she can use to, to keep practicing. And so her assignment is to go to, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, I, I was trying to really pay attention. She's supposed to go to the sanitation department to get figures on pelican deaths at the trash dump. And I was... <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's I, was, right. I was like, who cares about alien fight clubs? What's happening to the pelicans that they are dying at the trash I know. dump? I want this. To, I want this to be like. I don't know if any of you guys have seen Black Mirror, but there's an episode where there's like just very briefly in the beginning they mention bees, and then it like comes back in like a huge way. I want this to be like the bee dying out of a uh, of their city, like it's just pelican deaths everywhere. I mean, I would love it if it like turned out to be like a huge Cadmus plan, like it was like some <laughs> overall arching thing that the pelicans are dying. Um, I just it all comes <laughs> back to the pelican. <laughs> and National City's like, okay, Supergirl, you're saving us. That's fine. But what about the pelicans? What are you going to do about the pelicans, who's, who's speaking for the pelicans? <laughs> <laughs> like, wouldn't it be hilarious, her big pep talk to the aliens at the end with roulette? And, like, she's like, they think we're monsters, but blah, blah, blah. And then one of them just goes, yeah, but what about the pelicans? <laughs> And then one sits on her shoulder. Yes, and then one comes and flies down to her, um, or she could, or she could go up into the sky and fly with the pelicans. Um, anything is possible. <laughs> so that that was the only thing that really bothered me about reporter Kara in this episode. I feel like she didn't follow through with the pelican story uh, to the necessary degree. Plus, plus she didn't even do the story. I was like. If they assign you a story, you gotta do it. Like you gotta file that thing. You can't just you can't just be like, nope, I'm not gonna do that one. Like, yeah. Why doesn't she care about pelicans? <laughs> uh, well, maybe maybe she uh, she followed up with that after the alien uh, fight club story was was finished and uh, and uh, presented to Snapper. Um, let's talk about, uh, McGann in this episode because she had a really big, awesome part with Jean and they had a whole storyline. So Andy, what did you think about, uh, Miss Martian and what was going on with Martian Manhunter? Because they hadn't told us anything, you know, in interviews that much or, you know, thankfully because no paparazzi's spoiled it for us for set photos, uh, for once. So it was not, you know, I didn't know, uh, I mean, <laughs> what set of photos of Rulehead and Metallo? Uh, but I, I was, I, I was really appreciative of the fact that we, that it seems they're, they're, they're definitely relying a little bit on the Jung Justice take on the character, but also giving us something 
something fresh and new. And um, I love Sharon Leal so much. And I, I, I didn't realize how much I missed seeing her on screen. I, you know, after Hellcats got canceled, like, I kind of just, you know, I mean, I know she's been doing work all the time, but um, I just, you know, just lost touch, I guess. So um, I, it was really nice to see her in this, you know, this John and this DC TV universe being this character and pay, you know doing her justice and um, it it was neat how they were interacting and so on. it's definitely feeling more like a father daughter relationship than than you know uncle and niece which you know is kind of what they were trying to portray in Young Justice so um, yeah I think when Re- I think Re- when Rebecca like speculated in a few weeks you know, months ago that she might be the one to be in the Fight Club. I was like, oh, it's totally going to be her. And then when we saw it, I'm like, she called it and it makes <laughs> sense. And, and it was, you know, because that's her way of dealing with the pain that she's going through. So um, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I mean, the final scene with her didn't really throw me off as it did with many others because I'm like, well, it's in, that's in the comic. That's who she is. So, um, and again, I think they're definitely going on the Jung Justice route where she's she's ashamed. I don't think she's going to be evil. I don't think they're going to make her a villain of John Jones because I think the whole point of bringing her in was to give John some family. So I think she's going to be dealing with that, you know, and I'm glad they kind of got rid, you know, we got we got it out of the way that, you know, we, the viewers, know she's a white Martian. and But hopefully she will eventually come to John and be like, so about that whole being green, I gotta show you something. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I overall I'm I think this was a very solid introduction. That you know it was something familiar, but also something fresh and uh, and suiting for this show. And uh, yeah, I think Sharon is so far awesome in the role. Yeah, I agree. I think Sharon did a really good job in this episode. Um, Carly, what did you think about McGann? I thought it was interesting. The last two weeks, each episode has ended with a cliffhanger about Miss Martian. So, like last week, you know, John Jones goes to the bar and he chases McGann out, and she reveals to him that she is a Martian, you know, and he thinks that she's a green Martian. And then we get the reveal at the end of this episode that no, she's actually a white Martian. And I, I have a suspicion that, you know, Martian Manhunter doesn't know that she's actually a white Martian, but I have the feeling that when she's telling him the story in the bar about the quote-unquote white Martian who refused a kill order and let her go, that she was actually talking about herself. Mm-hmm. And that she was the white Martian who refused a kill order, who refused to keep killing the you know his people, and that at some point she either escaped or worked with somebody else to get, you know, to get away. Um, Cause I'm sure she probably would have been punished or killed in some way for like refusing an order. But yeah, I love Sharon Leal. I think I, I initially wasn't sure how I was going to feel about an older actress in the role, but I think she brings that level that's needed of like that maturity and, you know, she said, you know, oh, it was 300 years ago that I escaped. And so I think you kind of need an older actress to bring that, like, to make that kind of passage of time more more impactful. And um, although <laughs> I will say I thought it was super hilarious, the scene where Martian Manhunter is talking to Supergirl and Alex about um, uh, asking 
McGann if he could merge or meld with her in the Martian way. And Kara goes, but you just met. And he's like, no, psychically, Kara. <laughs> I'm like, Kara, you've got a dirty mind. Um, or does she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she no because i was like i was like ew no because they're like father daughter that's gross um but so yeah i think it's interesting i think she was in some way telling him the truth and then also in some ways keeping a very important piece of her identity from him so i will be interested to see how long that storyline stretches out you know with the secret yeah, there were a lot of great hints in the episode of, of her not telling the truth and, and sort of keeping her own secret. You know, she doesn't want to share minds with Jean, and she talks about, you know, I'm not worth your kindness, and I am whatever I have to be to get by. So there are lots of uh, hints that they dropped. I thought the writing was pretty good that you would eventually catch on that she wasn't telling the truth. If you didn't know that at the beginning of the episode, you, you would probably figure it out. Um, Morgan, what did you think about Miss Martian? Yeah, I liked her. I thought it was really interesting. So I don't have um, a lot of background for Miss Martian, uh, but I did. I, I don't think I was on that episode, but I did listen to the episode of the podcast about her. <laughs> so I knew that she was uh, a white Martian. I missed, I missed you that night. I know, uh, but I knew she was a white Martian. So I, when she did, when she dropped stuff like saying that there was some, you know, one of her captors uh, let her get away, uh, I, I ended up being like, oh, I bet that was her. Like, she was the one who uh, didn't refuse the kill order and, and wanted to get away. And, uh, yeah, no, that that whole scene with uh, Jean where he was talking about psychically merging with her and the looks on Kara and Alex's faces were like, you just met her. Like... <laughs> buy her a meal uh i thought that was hilarious i was because it's the way that he kept saying it i i kept i was thinking the exact same thing like uh that doesn't sound correct um but i'm interested to see where they're going to go with her character uh i felt that they went a lot darker with her this episode than i had anticipated uh because she was like all in on the fight club uh, it wasn't like she was being held against her will to do the fight club, which is what I had sort of anticipated going into the episode. She was definitely like taking part in the fight club of her, like it was her decision to do that. So I thought that that was an interesting um, way to sort of introduce the audience to that character and like how much guilt she has that she wanted to do the fight club basically just to punish herself. I thought that that was really interesting. Yeah, I like the uh, double meaning or even triple meaning to a degree of the episode title and, and how they played on someone being a survivor. You know, you have these aliens who are fighting in the club because they want to be able to survive. They want to be able to make an income and and, and survive in, in this world on, on Earth. And then you have uh, survivors like... Uh, Jean or Manel or Kara, you know, these, these survivors who have escaped the destruction of their world and are kind of the last of their kind. And then you have McGann who has survivor's guilt is how I took it. And, you know, for her to have escaped and, and, and possibly being this white Martian who um, broke rank and refused to kill, she is probably feeling gu guilty that she may she might have done some bad things and ended up surviving even if the green martian population was wiped out so i i really i liked the depth of what they were trying to do there in the episode and 
I'm very interested to see what Jean does when he finds out. And um, their fights in the club, the Miss Martian versus Martian Manhunter fight, I thought was really great because they both refused to kill each other and they didn't want to fight. And the exchange that I thought was so good in that scene is that McGann says, we don't have a choice. And Jean says, our choices are all we have. And I thought that was such a powerful line because sometimes when, like, I feel like something is, um, you know, out of control in my life or, or is some, you know, there's something that I don't have power over or whatever, I do have a choice to do something. And so I thought that was a really strong, actually real and believable line that, you know, our choices are all, all we have. Even if we have nothing, we still have a choice to move forward with our lives. So I thought that was it, really great. It's really interesting because I think um, I might have mentioned on Twitter last night or, or, or today, but um, Supergirl is reminding me of the TV series Angel a lot recently. Um, between the Fight Club, which Angel had a Fight Club episode, and sort of the alien bar. But there's a line from Angel that's like, if nothing we do matters, all that matters is what we do. And that reminded me of that line a lot. Um, so uh, since we got to know Monel a little bit with the Daxon flashbacks and his interactions with Wynn, uh, what did everybody think about his part of the episode? Uh, Andy, what did you think about Monel? I want him. I mean, uh, he he's such a playful character he reminds me a little bit of superboy and i like i haven't read monel in any comics i think i may have seen him in one panel once so i don't know i i'm kind of in in the dark about this character so i don't know if this is how he is in the comic but he's such a playful new energy to the show where it's like he doesn't take over for you know the other male characters that we have because we have a lot of great male characters on the show and but I love that he's so playful that he's uh, that he's not because I keep expecting that he's gonna go to the point where he's gonna be brooding or whatnot. But I guess you know, I guess I spend too much time with a certain TV show that airs on Wednesdays, and so. But uh, no, but I love that he's such a like he he's enthusiastic. He loves he wants to learn, and although <laughs> seeing that Win was t- teaching him all like you know <laughs> like. The, the wrong the wrong ways of compliments like you know like you know oh she's a total babe and and car's like that's my mother and she's like but that's what win said and um, also how about to see laura benanti in this episode i kind of like oh all right she died twice <laughs> on the show and uh, well, one, uh, one, one of my favorite parts of the episode is when Alora start, starts to r- rattle off bad things about Daxum, and Kara's like trying to get her to go away, and she's like, "Bye, bye, mom." And so I just thought that was really cute. It was like it was like a, a teenager embarrassed of her parents in front of her friends. I thought that was adorable. Um, Alora was spilling her tea for sure, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, but I um... <laughs> so much shade. She was throwing so much shade at Daxum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She, hey, she, she tell us how she, you really feel, Alora. <laughs> Uh, but you know, but he, he's he's a very in, in, entertaining character, and that uh, he that he's forming this bromance with Win. Uh, I mean, it's so precious that I'm like, you know what? How about if we have two characters that comes out of the closet this season, and we have Monel and Win get together, and Alex and Maggie, and you know, it's so funny. I thought the same thing. I was like, I know that they already tease like this gay character on the show, but I was like, but what if everyone's gay? <laughs> Because they had such good chemistry. <laughs> oh my god! I, I'm never gonna forget that the way you. But if, what if everyone was gay? You never uh, know. Uh, but yeah, no, but I like the the relationship, and I love that both John and Kara like they 
their their plots with you know their respective apprentices and uh, kind of was a nice parallel in many ways. So I I enjoyed how they eventually both of them came to their sense of we need to be there for them. And you know, like there's you know, because Carter was kinda of like, you know, pushing him to the side, like you know, like, you know, no, go do your thing. And John was kinda of like, you know, being his, you know, John John way. And so but yeah, so it Again, I, I love Manel, and I think he's a he's a very nice addition to the cast. And I, at that point, he's a suit up pretty soon because if he keeps walking around in tight t shirts, like I'm, I'm probably gonna like pass out at the end at the beginning of each episode and then wake up and like, what happened? <laughs> Carly, what did you think about Manel in this episode? Okay, but we all agree that he's actually the prince, right? Like, I'm not. I'm not imagining that. I feel like because the whole flashback scene that we get at the beginning of the episode, that's not even really a flashback because it's Monel telling the story to everybody else. So I'm like, mm, I feel like he's the prince. Hmm, that's just gonna that's put something it out I, there. I hadn't thought about because the, the Prince of Daxum says, you need to save yourself for once in your life. Obey me. There are people out there, and and he wants to share in their fate. So that's interesting. I had not thought about that because I, I just assumed because that other character was talking about how uh, Monel needed to obey him and all that kind of stuff. I just assumed that he was the real prince, and that actually made. I actually wouldn't like it if. Monel ended up to be the Prince of Daxam. I'm not as familiar with Monel as well. I think we need to do a character spotlight at some point. Um, but I was actually really drawn to Monel being the servant, being kind of the the royal palace guard. The fact that he was in a, a position of service to the royal family, I I really liked that. I thought that uh, gave him a level of humility that we hadn't seen so far in the show because he's been real brash and sarcastic and funny. And so to to see that maybe and he, sleeping a lot. Yes, and sleeping quite a bit. Um, so I kind of like the idea that he he was trying to get the prince to go into the pod, and the prince, you know, insisted that he he go in there and and program it, and and the prince ended up staying behind and sacrificing himself. So I I I would kind of not like it, but I think that's an interesting thought. So go I don't know. go I ahead. Kinda, no, I just question the reliability of that scene because it's him telling the story to everybody else. So I'm like, because mm, then he goes, yep, that's how it happened. <laughs> I'm like, well, how reliable of a narrator is he? Like, can we trust that scene? I don't know. That's just my theory. If I'm wrong, that's fine. Um, mostly because, to be honest, I don't really like him all that much <laughs> yet. Um, I don't know. I I think my biggest problem with Monel is I'm really hoping that they're not setting it up to, for him to be a love interest for Kara, especially after the show did such a sloppy job breaking up, breaking her up with, you know, from James. I'm just like, please don't let this be this thing that was like, James was shuttled aside for this. <laughs> like, I don't want, I don't want like a Romeo and Juliet star crossed lovers, like, romance i just i don't want it like I, <laughs> I can't even tell you how much i don't want it um i think that's really the only thing i have passionate feelings about that are negative and it's i don't know if it's an unpopular opinion it might be i you know and i think unfortunately it was one of those things where like i couldn't even really enjoy his scenes with win although i think for me that was like the highlight of the episode it was like oh just to remind you 
it's an episode that aired on Halloween because they go to a bar and everybody's wearing Halloween costumes, which is really funny to me. Um, oh my god! The day after when woke up and he was hung, I'm like, no, nah, you're hungover. Right, and the whole I'm, scene I'm where five he's five nine. I'm five nine. You know, yeah, he's like some guy that was five two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough for me because I'm hoping the show is not putting him in the position of being the love interest. Um, and I think if I can get some assurance that they're not doing that, then I'll probably be able to enjoy his character more. Carly, so. I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder and say, welcome to the CW. <laughs> Every shape is possible. I don't want, no, but so I don't mind shipping multiple pairings. I just don't like this one. I don't like it. Sorry. Well, if, if you don't like this ship, then it's probably going to happen. No. <laughs> no. No. Hopefully the right. Hopefully the right are listening and they will avoid. I mean, I think they, they should. They should just remain very good friends and whatnot because the writers are listening and they're like, Carly doesn't like it. Change it. Change all the script. <laughs> and also, <laughs> and also make sure Snapper never snaps because they really want that to happen. So we're not going to do it. And then all the paparazzi are listening. They're like, you know, let's take as many photos as we can so we can piss off Rebecca and all the other people on Super Radio as much as possible. That's what they do. Um, Morgan, what are your thoughts on Mono? Yeah, I liked him in this episode. I also like that he's very, like, playful and uh, and sort of sort of more laid back than I kind of expected him to be. I also kind of expected him to have the same, you know, kind of, brooding like I'm the last of my kind and and he definitely does have some of that in there because it's baked into those characters it's in Kara and uh, and um John Jones as well but um I I liked seeing him like get out on the town with Wynn and have a good time and like experience human drinking uh but prop but it did not seem like human uh, hangovers. So that was fun. <laughs> that was really fun. I I did not have the same aversion to the uh, Monel Cara thing that Carly had, um, but I do think that it would be annoying uh, since they just dropped the Car and James thing like a hot potato um, with no lead up and really no like organic reason to drop the that relationship they were just like no one likes it let's uh let's move along nothing happened nothing ever happened here uh we we shall never speak of it again much like a lot of things like let from last season like uh maxwell lord or the lanes we shall never speak of them again um but i definitely thought that they had good chemistry and i could see it down the line like i would be i would be supportive down the line uh i think if that's the way that the the direction that they want to go with those characters i want to see them build it up i want to see them become friends and uh and have like a real solid relationship outside of just their like pushing a romantic angle i think maybe one of the the problems with the with the current Car and James thing last season was that it was so obviously pushing a romantic angle that there wasn't a lot to hang on there if you weren't invested in that. It was kind of this. They had kind of the same problem with with Win in the beginning of the season last season, where he would just sort of walk in and be like, "I love you, Kara," and then like walk out, and like that was his only character trait for like 
several episodes. So I feel like they are getting better with having the characters be people first and then like romantic plot lines or romantic foils second. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree and don't agree with Carly. I think that I could see it down the line, but yeah, if they just got rid of like the whole James and Kara thing for what I can tell is like no apparent reason. I remember after the premiere, everybody was like, what just happened? And like, I don't think that there was, I feel like there wasn't like a huge contingent of people that were really invested in that relationship, which is why they dumped it. But if even the people who don't really care about the relationship are like, did I miss an episode? Like you have a problem. Yeah, for sure. Well, and we don't have to, we don't always have to agree. That's fine. Everybody can have their opinion. So uh, I actually like Monel. I like his interactions with Kara. I like, I especially liked the, uh, the idea that, She's using this uh, interaction with Monel and, and her mentoring him as a, as a way to kind of fulfill her original purpose to protect Cal. And, and she never got to do that because he was grown. He became Superman before she even uh, got to Earth. So I like that idea. And so I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that uh, goes so that she can actually fulfill her her original purpose and her mission. So I think that's a, a cool way to go about it. The only thing though, that like made me cringe a super amount, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> was the scene where they're in the room where the AI is and he calls, uh, Cara's mom a babe. And then she says, uh, you know, he's like, Oh, well, Wynn said that's what you call beautiful women on your planet or on, on your earth or whatever. And, she says, oh, well, maybe I don't think Wynn should be teaching you about women. And then Monel says, oh, well, maybe you could. And I was like, ugh. Yeah, ugh. That, that, was, that was a little gross. That, yeah. was, that was gross. Like Maybe, like, maybe Monel just wants her to be his wing bro. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Like, that would be fine. And I'm fine with, like, the mentorship aspect of it. But I was like, I just don't want them to get together. <laughs> <laughs> totally understand. Well, uh, what are what are the overall thoughts that everybody has about this episode? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Andy, we'll start with you. Very. I mean, again, I I feel I saw Morgan tweet uh, this either yesterday or today, and I I gotta agree with her. I feel like I'm saying this every week, but this is like another one of my favorite episodes of the season so far because I mean, this is a very strong and well written show. So like. You know, I'm getting what I want from from this show. You know, I mean, we you know we got a very good you know introduction, Miss Martian. Manel is a very playful and precious character, and Wynn should never go out drinking because he can't handle his liquor. And Snapper, damn it, just snap. And uh, and and um, yeah, like this is a very solid episode. And it, I mean, the season just continues to, it's it's flying. Um, and so yeah, I'm overall really happy. And um, let's let's go ahead and plug you so you can get out because uh, I know you need to go uh, watch yeah. the Flash. Uh, the, I have to the, I have to run back to my Earth and yeah. before uh, yeah. the bridge closes, but uh, I'm I'm really sorry to do, but yeah, I mean, a speech we gotta gotta be on time. So uh, yeah, people, you can find me on theflashbuckets.com. All the social media links are there, so I will spare some extra time. And if you want to find me personally on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Andy Babacht, which is spelled B H B A K H T. And uh, yeah, and I'm part of the the fabulous and ever growing DC Podcast Network that I'm sure Morgan is gonna have a blast plugging at the end of this episode. I always uh, do. <laughs> you always do. We're adding five new shows next week. So <laughs> yeah, but uh, ladies, it's always a. I mean, I always have 
tons of fun being on the show. So thank you for having me on. And um, uh, but we will we will be on the same earth soon again. Uh, we're kind of going to need your help. We got some invaders coming. So, um, <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. And um, girls will steal. Girls will steal. Take care. Well, uh, may thanks. the speed force be with you. Nice, <laughs> nice. Always. <laughs> So, Carly, what were your overall thoughts about this episode? Um, I liked it. I think I was seeing a little bit of this on Twitter. I think that my my one, I guess it's like not really a complaint. It's kind of a nitpick, but I think, and you know, I, I I'm super excited that we're getting more cast members. I think the problem, though, with expanding the cast means that every week. Somebody's probably going to get the short straw when it comes to storylines and who gets more focus. Because, like, there was no James in this episode. <laughs> Although next week looks like it's going to be pretty James heavy. Um, but, yeah, like, James has been pretty scarce. We only got really one scene with Lena uh, where she looked super fierce, by the way. Um, <laughs> so fierce. So fierce. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't mind that they're choosing to focus on specific characters right now, but I think it's tough. Because, you know, season one, it seemed like everybody was pretty prominent and, like, well-balanced. And it was, I mean, it is primarily Kara's story, but it can be, it sometimes was like, oh, they're going to, like, you bring in a character for literally one scene and then you don't see them again. <laughs> like, it was like. But more Lena, maybe? I mean, that's the problem, too, when you <laughs> literally only have 40 minutes to tell a story. But overall, I really liked it. I thought the Fight Club stuff was really cool. I thought the Martian-on-Martian Martian fight was really cool, even though David Harrod was doing some kind of weird growly voice in that yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah. I thought <laughs> like I was the rumble. only one who noticed that. I was like, is, it's, it was like his version of the Batman voice, but it just seemed like somebody should get him like a cup of tea. Like I was worried about his vocal cords. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I think he was trying to talk like he was hurt, but I was like, you're doing like a really gravelly, uh, like proto Batman kind of thing. Get him a lozenge. Get him a, get him a throat soothing, uh, <laughs> thing. But, uh, no, overall I thought it was really good. I feel like overall so far this season has been better in season one at least in terms of consistency and strength of the episode and that kind of thing but we'll see we're, we're only a, how many episodes in now four, four yeah. so we got we got some ways to go but i think it's it's definitely starting very strong so that's encouraging uh morgan what did you think uh what are your overall thoughts on this episode yeah i mean it, it's just like andy said i feel like i've become a broken record but i loved this episode as well this has been a really strong run of episodes um, this season. I feel like the creative team has really kind of figured out what has been working and uh, and and has kind of retooled the show, but retooled the show in a way that is working really well and it's working well for the characters and and for the story. Um, I, I I do agree. Like the the cast growing. One of the downsides is that not everybody is going to get a lot of screen time. So we only got my girl Lena in there for like a second uh, to just kind of roll her eyes about roulette's stupid outfits and stuff, uh, which I loved. I was like, oh man, if we could just get Lena being like catty and like totally over it, like every episode, I would be cool with that. Um, but I thought that they, they've done a good job at really developing and fleshing out 
some of the new characters, especially if you consider that, say, like, Maggie has only really been in, like, two episodes, or Monel has only really been in, like, one or two episodes now, you know, awake. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like I know these characters um, pretty well. I feel, I don't feel like they're mysteries. And I think that they are doing a lot better job of that this season than they did last season. I feel like last season they, you really needed a, a little bit of, like, run-up time to find out, you know, who, say, Wynn is or who some of the characters are. And this season, it seems like they're doing a lot better, just sort of hit, hitting the ground running. Um, you know, poor James is, is going to be an issue, I think, but we'll see what happens with him um, next episode. But I feel like right now that's sort of my, my main complaint about the show in general is that I just feel like they don't know what to do with him. So I'll be interested to see what they're going to do there. But I liked this episode a lot overall. Yeah, it's interesting. Everybody keeps bringing up uh, characters being shortchanged and, and all of that because I, I actually think they've done a really good job uh, so far this season um, because I my main concern is always Supergirl. Because it's a Supergirl show, I want to always be able to connect to Kara. I always want to be able to see her story. And I've actually been really appreciative of the fact that even though, like in this episode, we got big stories for McGann and Monel. And even to an extent, Jean, we got big stories for him as well. I don't feel like Supergirl's getting lost in it. I don't feel like Kara is being pushed to the side. I'm still very much on Kara's side. I still feel like it's Supergirl's show. Um, so I'm glad to see that for me, she's not getting lost in the shuffle. She's not kind of, um, kind of in the background. So I, I've been very appreciative of that. That we're seeing not only Supergirl having having big stories, but Kara now has a lot of growth. So I like that. And and for me in this episode in particular, I really liked the premise of the Fight Club. I thought the action was really good. Um, but for me, the character stuff, the the character beats, the emotional moments for me, especially between. McGann and Jean, um, and in the paralleling of Cara and Monel, I really liked. I thought this uh, episode was very well, well written um, in terms of how it was formatted and how it was um, connecting the characters to each other in their stories. So I liked the the way all of that was set up. So uh, for me, this is my favorite episode of the season. I the first two episodes, I was kind of like, Meh, I don't know, and then uh, last week got a little better. Um, but this one, I, I, I really liked all of the Martian stuff, um, especially. So uh, I, I really enjoyed Survivors. But that's going to do it for our discussion. So let's find out what our listeners had to say about this week's episode, Survivors. Uh, at BP Stoyle re, uh, says, After your mention of Birds of Prey last week, I enjoyed this episode's parallels to the BOP episode Gladiatrix. Yeah, and that's something I didn't think of until this tweet because there there is an episode of Birds of Prey uh, called Gladiatrix uh, where there's a female metahuman fight club and Helena and Dinah are drugged and forced to fight each other. So there there's a very strong parallel to that episode. And I actually was curious because I had, of course, with Roulette, she had a had a metal meta brawl on Justice League Unlimited. And so I, I wondered if, I, I couldn't remember if JLU had aired that episode with the Metabrawl first before Birds of Prey, but it turns out that the JLU Fight Club stuff, um, The Cat and the Canary, aired on February 5th, 2005, and Gladiatrix from Birds of Prey that had this similar concept aired on January 8th, 2003. So, back to my point from last week's episode, Birds of Prey, 
ahead of its time. Nobody talks about it, but I feel like somebody should talk about it, and I'm going to talk about it. So um, (laughs) I'm really glad that somebody else values Birds of Prey just as much as I do. It's not the greatest show in the world, but it did um, set the standard for certain things, and uh, especially for the uh, Fight Club stuff here in this week's episode. At Miss Lily 99 says, I'm glad Roulette was released. I want to see more of her evilness. At Madtown Davidson says, I loved all the great character moments in the episode, but ultimately the roulette storyline fell flat for me. At Chris Fundalinski says, props to Melissa Benoist for nailing that fierce look at roulette during their chat. At Suarez one says, deep insight for Jean. Being without the Martian mind meld for so long must have been so painfully hard. At Roger789 says, I'm super curious how Maggie's girlfriend didn't notice all the obvious chemistry between Maggie and Alex that the rest of us saw. <laughs> At Pengu says, liking everything so far, but it feels like new things keep getting thrown at us. I am also not looking forward to Kara slash Monel. There you go, Carly. Somebody, you go. <laughs> somebody agrees with you. There you go. At Rantasmo one says, it would be hilarious if there was a female equivalent to Oliver Queen at Lena's boarding school. I kind of feel like Lena would be the equivalent, though. The the rich, maybe spoiled person at the boarding school. I don't know. Maybe they maybe, yeah. maybe there's another one there. Or yeah, Bru- maybe, well, Bruce, like, maybe Bruce Wayne went to that boarding school. There you go. I mean, yeah, because like pre-Arrow, Oliver Queen was a spoiled rich kid. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. At Paradox Kid says, David Harewood and Sharon Leal killed it. Roulette is a firecracker. Thinking Lena Luther will cash in one doozy of a favor. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to come back for sure. Uh, so we got an email. Um, we received an email from Kate who writes, I would really appreciate your take on what's going on with the Danvers sisters, especially with Kara. After a full season of Stronger Together and Love Binds Us All, season two shows them drifting apart. In the first two episodes of the season, Kara ignores Alex in favor of Kal-El. By the end of the second episode, they seem reconciled with Alex saying, I'm just better... I'm just better when we're together. However, in Welcome to Earth, Kara is downright nasty to Alex after Alex returns from checking out the warehouse for Monel. Do you see a rift forming between the two sisters this season that will need to be resolved? Does anybody have any thoughts on Kara uh, and Alex and their sisterly dynamic this season? Um, I don't know. I guess I didn't really pick up on that as much. I definitely picked up on, in the first couple episodes, there being like a little bit of tension. Uh, underneath of their relationship, but I feel like that's sort of always kind of there. Um, not that's not to say that they're not they don't have a great sister bond or a great sister relationship. I think all relationships sort of have a little bit of uh, you know a couple of pain points, and I think that they you know for drama's sake we we see that a lot between the sisters, especially you know Kara being say you know the special one or the one with powers or you know it got brought up a little bit when um when Superman was around um but I didn't see it as being something where I think it's gonna be a rift that needs to be healed specifically if we saw Alex and Kara getting along all the time, it wouldn't be realistic like <laughs> sisters are gonna fight. You know, even adoptive sisters, like, season one, they, you know, they, they, they had their fun Netflix nights and, you know, takeout nights and stuff like that. And I think as many times as 
Kara has gotten frustrated with Alex for something, like Alex has gotten frustrated with Kara too. So it's it goes both ways. I don't think it's necessarily like Kara is being a stinky, you know, like oh, like you make better choices. You know what I mean? Like Alex <laughs> is kind of Alex has also kind of been like Kara, you need to you know do this. So they, I think that's part of the relationship. They kind of call each other out on stuff. Um, I don't think it necessarily means they're gonna like you know, get into a huge fight and like not talk to each other though. I think it's just more of, they have their little, they have their little quibbles, but at the end of the day, they're like, Oh yeah, we'll go home and, you know, rent a movie. Yeah. I don't, I don't see anything, even though last week I was kind of like, Oh, Supergirl's being really kind of harsh with Alex there. But, um, I don't think it's anything that's going to be something that goes on down the road and, and becomes this big thing that, that blows them up because I, I think Alex and Carr have such a close relationship that, no matter, even if they did fight, they would always kind of come back to each other. So, uh, and I think that's what I like about their um, dynamic is that they're very forgiving and they're very, very close. So um, I, I think it's something to kind of keep your eye out on, but I, I don't think there's any worry on, on my part. Um, and we have an email from Lynn who uh, gives us some background on Monel, and and this is and just in case we do do a spotlight, we'll we'll go into a, a little more. Um, background on Monel, but uh, uh, Lynn helps us out a little bit on the pronunciation of the name Monel. She writes, you might be interested in the etymology of the name Monel. The character Monel first appeared in a Superboy comic uh, from Superboy number 89, June 1961. He was suffering from amnesia when he and Superboy met, and young Clark decided his new friend needed a name. The first syllable of the chosen name came from Monday, the day of the week they met. The L part, of course, came from Clark's desire to share his own Kryptonian last name with his new friend. Based on the origin of the name Monel, I would assume that the Mun was originally intended to be pronounced the same way as the first and penultimate. Ah, I see, I see, I see what you're doing ah. there, Lynn. Uh, the penultimate uh, syllable of the word Monday. So, um, according to this, and this was actually something I, I kind of posed to all of my Facebook friends who are, are big Superman folks, uh, like Mike Zumo and John and Wilson that we've had on the podcast, and, and they also said the t- same thing about the, um, the mon part of Monel being pronounced like mun, uh, uh, like Monday, if you were to say Monday. So, um, I, I've heard that several times that I don't think, I don't think anybody has said it like that on the show. Um, Wynn might have said something kind of close this week, uh, but I think most people keep saying Monel on the show. Uh, so that's that's some good background. But I guess I guess I don't know. I'm conflicted. What do you guys think? Should we keep calling him Monel, or should we go you know the the comic accurate way of Monel? Mm. That's that's, I don't a, know. that's a conflict. I don't know. That's a puzzler. Yeah, I I, I guess I guess we'll do Monel just because that's the way they've been saying on the show. But we'll know. That uh, technically it should be Monel. Um, we'll, we'll be those people, but <laughs> I guess we can just uh, keep saying Monel. Through Facebook, uh, Brian shared this theory about President Marsden with us, writing, quote, We saw her face glint red for a moment. The dominators from Invasion have a big red dot on their forehead. While we didn't see any yellow on the President Alien reveal, could it be possible that she's really a dominator? What do you guys think about this? Do you think the President could mm-hmm. be a dominator? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Like I, maybe the alien registry, the Amnesty Act and the registration is how they get a list of names to like track down because this is the whole point. They're like trying to erase 
you know, other alien races, basically, or like super powered. Yes, like metahuman so. type folks. Yeah, I, I think that this theory actually gives the alien reveal a lot of motivation, which I was struggling to figure out. So I sort of, I really like this theory. Um, and I was also thinking that maybe there's a point to President Marsden being named Marsden. I, I, start, I started to wonder if the Mars and, and her name was to hint at her being an, an alien. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. That might be reaching. Um, but I, I like this theory a lot, Brian. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens when the four-show crossover uh, goes into full effect. But maybe because we do know that Supergirl's part of the four-show crossover is that she's sort of like an impetus for what happens in the crossover. She doesn't have a, a big full episode to herself, but maybe maybe this Amnesty Act is maybe what pushes everything uh, forward. So I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, I think that's going to do it for our listener feedback. Um, so thanks for everybody who uh, wrote in. Um, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio, and we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so definitely go and check out our playlist. We are available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. And we're a part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, DC films and classic DC TV shows. Subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcast on Twitter and like DC TV podcast on Facebook. Very well done. <sighs> I, 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 I really think we need to practice circular breathing. Kenny G says it's, it's all about breathing in Ooh. through the nose. So you can, <laughs> you can do that. So I, went, I went to like my Zen place. I was like imagining a waterfall. It was beautiful. <laughs> well, well it, that worked. Whatever works for you. <laughs> um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I think I'm just going to um, turn my Twitter account into a Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice appreciation account uh, because that's all that kind of makes me happy to tweet about. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid, and you can watch, watch videos I've shot and edited it on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. Uh, I am weekend editor over at The Mary Sue, which you can visit at themarysue.com. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, you can find some of my writing on Buddy TV. And I'm also a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. So you should check that out. I have to tell you, Morgan, I'm not a viewer of Legends of Tomorrow. I don't watch it. I don't DVR it. I probably should. Um, but I like listening to the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Y'all are keeping me up to date on what's happening there. So, <laughs> why? Um, thank you. I don't. I don't. I don't know if that's a compliment to to say. I don't watch that show y'all talk about, but I really do enjoy the podcast. So um, y'all are doing good work over there. We appreciate it. Watch the show or don't, but definitely listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And remember, there's no shame in surviving.
What's your name? Mike. Welcome to Catco. Kind of expected someone a little more intimidating. I gotta admit, I'm a little jealous of him. He's got a lot to learn. I think I might have more powers on Earth than we realized. My whole life, I've been a sidekick. My best friends wear capes, and they're heroes, and they save people. You're gonna get yourself killed. Lights out, Supergirl. Supergirl, all new this Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Crossfire. And the official description reads, quote, Supergirl must beat a ruthless new gang who has been armed with dangerous new alien technology. When Cadmus sends a video to the DEO, the team realizes Cadmus is the one staffing the criminals for a secret mission. Meanwhile, Kara gets Monel a job as an intern at Catco. James makes an important decision, and Lena invites Kara to attend one of her fundraisers, unquote. So, Carly, what about this description excites you the most? So I saw this trailer last night after the episode uh, aired, and I was like, first of all, why does everyone's secret identity just involve putting glasses on? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, there's a scene of Monel at Kako, and they put those same, like, horn-rimmed glasses on that both Kara and Clark have. So I was like, this is the worst disguise ever. Why does he even need a secret identity? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. He's not, he doesn't have it. Also, <laughs> what is his, like, secret identity name going to be? Because you know that he's not going to go up and be like, I'm on L. What, like, would what? he be the Nick Pharaoh that we heard about in the character breakdowns? Maybe. Because that, ne- that never got cast. So I wonder if he That's is. That's right. I oh, wa- man. Snap. I wonder, I wonder if he'll go by <laughs> Nick Pharaoh. Yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed in the, from the trailer is I actually didn't realize it was Cadmus that was involved because it was, I mean, it was a pretty James heavy trailer. So it seems like they're going, I mean, they're like fully going into this guardian storyline starting next week. (laughs) Yes. And, uh, I still don't know exactly how I feel about (laughs) it. Um, but that's, that's a topic for next time. Um, Morgan, Morgan, what is, uh, most exciting to you about this description? So my DVR uh, cut off the trailer after, like, five seconds of James being like, I'm tired of being a peripheral character in this show. (laughs) I'm ready for my moment. And then it cut off, so I didn't get to see anything else. So, um, but I'm excited about uh, Kara getting to go to one of Lena Luthor's fundraisers. I think that's going to be cool. I think I'm always excited for more Lena Luthor. And, uh... I'm also imagining that Monel, as an intern at Catco, is going to at least be pretty funny. Uh, I don't know why he needs like classes or a secret identity because or a job. No one, no one knows who he is. I don't know why he needs a job. Uh, uh, just <laughs> that's why he's an intern. <laughs> he doesn't get paid. <laughs> he doesn't get. He doesn't need money. He's not going to get paid if it's a. <laughs> Although that's that's a joke, you should always pay your interns. Well, okay, and, and and maybe if he's like bunking with Kara, I guess Kara's like you. You got to pull your way. This apartment is really nice <laughs> and it's expensive, and I got to pay for it. So maybe that's true. Maybe he's got to pull his weight. I like that he's learning about like human society by becoming an intern. Like the like one of the worst things. Like he's <laughs> probably not going to get paid. He's just going to be get yelled at and have to get people's coffee for them. And he's going to be like human society sucks but i think it's funny that he like 
was so they were so uptight about him even going out of the DEO in this episode to like have a few beers on Halloween. But ne- apparently, next episode he's going to be like like temping. Like <laughs> that was a qu- that escalated quickly <laughs> at one of the uh, the the biggest companies in National City with a big skyscraper full of people. Um, an office full of people, and but I mean, Kara has you know, kind of control of the situation now. She asked the DEO to to let uh, her take care of Monel, so <laughs> I guess the DEO is like, do whatever you gotta do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 interested in the Lena fundraiser thing because I hope that means we get more of Lena and the uh, the the gang that's been mentioned in here um, in the Superman mythos. Uh, the only gang I know of is Intergang, so I'm curious if they'll they'll bring them into play uh, with Cadmus, and I'm very excited about Cadmus. That might be the most I'm excited about because I was missing the Doctor slash Cadmus scientist, whatever they're calling her. I was missing her, Brenda Strong. I was missing her something uh, big time in in this week's uh, episode of Survivors because uh, I was like, what is she up to? I want to know what she's doing, what evil deed she's doing. <laughs> so I hope I saw can... your Twitter poll. You were like, what is she, what is the doctor doing this? T- <laughs> I, I think I think the one that got the most votes was she was laughing maniacally. Um, so <laughs> so whatever she was doing um, at, during Survivors, uh, she was laughing maniacally about it. Uh, so. I voted for science-y stuff. <laughs> I was like, I bet she's doing more experiments on, like, other, you know, like, she's like, eh, Metallo didn't work. All right, we got to move on to the next one. Yeah, so don't make me do a poll next week, Supergirl. Actually, tell me what uh, the doctor is doing, because I'm very curious about her. Well, I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section, so thanks for listening, and we'll be back with another episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.